Welcome to Music Ed Talk. Today, I'm joined by Anna Marie Diaz. Can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, of course. So I am a flutist and flute teacher. Uh, I live in Richmond, Virginia. So I have my own private studio and I also gig and freelance in the Richmond area. How did your journey in music start? So I started to play the flute in sixth grade, in my sixth grade band. Um, and I actually, in fourth grade, tried to play the violin and it did not go well. So in sixth grade, I got an opportunity to switch instruments and I chose the flute and the flute and I just clicked. You know, it was sort of like love at first sight. I just immediately picked up the instrument. I loved the sound and I've sort of just been playing ever since. So I played all through middle school. Um, and then when I got into high school, I had a bit of a bump. I didn't quite make it into the, you know, advanced band, which is the marching band. Um, and I was pretty bummed out. So I was in the concert band when I was in ninth grade. Really wanted to get better, really wanted to, you know, be in the advanced band, be in marching band, um, but I didn't make it. And I think that was sort of my first experience with wanting to quit the flute. Um, at the end of ninth grade, I actually went to the band director and told him, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I maybe I want to do sports, something else. I don't know. I just told him, like, this isn't for me. And he actually convinced me to keep playing. He was like, you're a great player. I think you should just keep going. Try it for one more year, you know, and see what happens. So I did, I think begrudgingly I did, but I mean, it was a great choice. I got better, um, I kept improving, and you know, I ended up making marching band the next year. And for the next three years, I just fell more in love with the flute that I decided to go to school for music. I decided, you know, I wanna do this for the rest of my life. So I took a bunch of college auditions. I ended up going to VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University for my undergrad down in Richmond. Um, and I made it about one semester in <laughs> to the music program and I quit again. Um, but this time was for a little bit longer. I, you know, after fall semester, it sort of hit me how intense music can be, how much you have to practice. You know, I had practiced in high school, but it was nothing up to the level that was needed for a music major in college. So um, I think there were some other factors as well. When I got to college, I got my first boyfriend and I think I wanted to spend more time with him as well. <laughs> so there are some other factors, but overall, I think it was a maturity thing. I just, you know, I wasn't ready to dedicate the time. So I, I quit for about a year and a half in college. I dropped out of the music program. I was undeclared um, until about the start of my junior year. Um, I was thinking about going into marketing. I was thinking about, you know, maybe doing something with um, doing makeup for a living because I think makeup artists are like super cool. But um, at the beginning of my junior year, I sort of had this like moment of realization that I was like, oh, gosh, do I really want to do marketing for the rest of my life? Like I had this image in my head that I was going to be selling mascara to people forever. Not that that's a bad thing, but I just didn't think it was for me, you know. So um, the first week of my junior year of college, I emailed the flute teacher at VCU. I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in your studio for one semester. Is there any way I can come back? And she told me, 
We're having our ensembles auditions tomorrow. We have a five minute break. Play anything you want, but you have to come audition. Um, and I don't think I picked up my flute in a year and a half. You know, I pulled out my favorite flute piece from when I was in high school. I did a little bit of practicing and I went and auditioned. And uh, by that following week, I was a music major again. And it was the best decision I had ever made, you know. So after after that second time I quit, um, it was sort of just like full steam ahead. Like, this is what I want to do. Music is what I want. And ever since then, I have 100% been dedicated to playing the flute for what I want to do. <laughs> what were some lessons you learned from your journey in and out of music? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the biggest lessons I learned was really what dedication means. You know, um, it is something that is not taught, I don't think at all. And to be able to dedicate from sixth grade to when I go to college playing an instrument and then giving that up and not really having a plan, like it, it felt like all of that work I had put in from sixth grade to my senior year, um, excuse me, my senior year of high school was for nothing. So I lost this feeling of like dedication. But then to come back to the flute when I was a junior in college, that motivation and that dedication to the instrument came back. And it was just such a strong feeling to have this thing in your life that you're just so dedicated to. And it can be just such a powerful feeling to have something that you want to pour your time and energy into. So that's the biggest lesson I learned um, in and out of music was just this idea of dedication, what it means and what it's like to not have that feeling. And we had talked about this previously outside of the podcast, but how do you handle imposter syndrome? Yeah. So after I came back into the music program um, my junior year, I was a little behind. You know, everybody else had had two years of playing as a music major. So I was a little behind and it, it, it didn't quite hit me until a little bit later that I was like, oh, I, you know, there's things about my flute playing that just aren't there. And that probably followed me if I'm being perfectly honest, till about a year ago, <laughs> you know, um, there's there's just some things that, you know, playing an instrument can be so personal to you. And when it's not up to par with somebody else, it sort of feels like you as a person isn't good enough. Um, and so I ended up taking two years off between my undergrad and my master's. And then I think that actually ended up adding to my imposter syndrome because when I ended up going back for my master's, everybody was a little bit younger who was a grad student. And I once again felt like my playing wasn't up to par. And I think that could have really crushed me. I, it was a really big mental game for me. And I was lucky enough to study with a flute teacher who was like, you're fine. You are right where you need to be. Don't compare yourself to others. And how I ended up getting over that imposter syndrome was just putting my head down and saying, I can do this. Even if it takes longer, I can do this. And I'm going to continue to do it until I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, and so I really tried to push that idea of where I should be, 
or how I play compared to somebody else and just said, I'm going to get better for myself, not for anybody else. How do you think music educators and other private studio educators can instill those same values into their own students? I think the most important thing is to not expect your students to be at a certain level. Every student grows differently. Every student excels at a different pace. I would consider myself a late bloomer and that's okay. And it would have been really difficult for me to have teachers that expected to me, expected my playing to be at a certain point because I'm a certain age. So the way I approached this in my studio is that if I have a beginner who can pick up the instrument in a month and can start playing scales, that's fantastic. But if I also have a different beginner that takes two months to learn to make a sound, hey, that's also okay. They Both of these students are learning skills that they've never done before and thus are achieving amazing things that they've never done. So I really try not to compare certainly my students to each other, but also not to not expect my students to be able to be at a certain level if they're a certain age. Can you tell us more about the development of your music studio? Yeah, absolutely. So I had been teaching privately off and on, you know, since I was an undergrad in college. And um, after I graduated with my master's in 2019, I ended up teaching for the School of Music um, in as an administrative assistant for about a year. And I really realized that the nine to five administrative assistant job was not really what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was I gained a lot of great experience, but it, I wasn't really putting my music degree to work. So my fiance and I decided I was in Greensboro at the time. My fiance and I decided to move back to Richmond. That's where, of course, I had gotten my undergrad. That's where he and I met. Um, so we moved back to Richmond and I just felt like this was the time for me to try and get my music studio and my teaching studio off the ground. Now, this was in the middle of a pandemic, right? We're all virtual. It was pretty stressful. But the most important thing for me was to try and instill these skills and values that I had learned over the 16 years I've been playing the flute into these young kids that are just starting the instrument. So skills, the big one I always talk about is perseverance, right? I realized that I have really persevered with my own music career and my own flute playing. I quit twice. I had imposter syndrome. You know, I had really just like figured it all out and I realized how incredible of a skill perseverance is just in life in general. Anything you want in life, you have to work hard for, and there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be times when you don't want to continue working towards this goal, but if that's what you really want to do, you just got to persevere. You just got to keep going. And I realized that this is a fantastic skill for someone in fourth grade, sixth grade, just starting out an instrument to learn. It's worth it's worth them understanding at least what perseverance is so later in life they can be like, oh, I can do this. I absolutely can do this, you know. Um, so 
the biggest thing for me is to just be able to instill these core values into my students. It's not about getting them to be the best flute player in the world. It's about hoping that they understand how to persevere, how they understand how to, you know, work towards a goal, work towards something, how they can um, learn to appreciate their own progress even if they can't quite understand it or can't quite see that they've made progress, the run a huge one is for them to understand like, hey, you are getting better. Even if it's just this, even if it's just a tiny bit better, you've improved and that's a massive change. And what advice would you give to music educators and even mu- amateur musicians or student learners who may be facing imposter syndrome too? The most important thing with imposter syndrome is first realizing that you know way more than you think you know. And that's like, that's the biggest hurdle because I think there's still elements in my career where someone says, Anna Marie, you know about this. And it's like, oh, do I? I'm not sure. But then, you know, I start talking about it and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I do know about this. So the first part is just trusting yourself. You know, you've gone to school, you've done so much work. And even if you can't write out what you know, even if you don't think you can form what you know into a resume or a cover letter, you know way more than you think you know. So that's my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice I have is if you feel like you have gaps somewhere in your education or somewhere in your knowledge, figure out precisely what it is and then just, you know, fill in those gaps. Do a little bit of research. Go out and learn from a different teacher. Go watch different educators. Go listen to, you know, um, someone who plays your instrument really well. And maybe you'll realize that, oh, I actually do know this or you'll fill in that gap. And then suddenly you won't have that gap in your knowledge anymore. Can you tell us about some of the virtual and in-person enrichment lessons you do? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I do, um, of course, is I teach flute lessons in person and virtually. So that's sort of the main core of, of my flute studio is teaching lessons in person and virtually. I also do a lot of outreach with public school systems in Richmond and in just the greater Richmond area in general. Um, I've done a ton of just general music classes throughout the pandemic for elementary schools, middle schools and high schools. And that has really been an incredible experience to talk about imposter syndrome, right? I think I know tons about the flu. I guess I didn't realize I know tons about just music in general. Um, So that has been a really fantastic experience to talk about, you know, Disney music and um, unusual instruments, just any sort of music topic um, and teach them to, you know, elementary school kids, middle school kids, all virtually. That's been another huge avenue is to just figure out how am I going to keep these lessons engaging and educational, which I'm sure every teacher has been trying to figure that out over the past year. Um, So those are sort of the two main things that I do education wise. I also have taught a couple general music classes to little homeschool kids. So like five-year-olds. Um, I've taught a couple, you know, small group general music classes to five-year-olds, which has been a whole other experience trying to handle five-year-olds. So those are sort of the big three uh, education things that I do in Richmond. 
Are there any closing insights you'd like to give listeners? Yeah, the biggest thing I can say is, you know, the music field, certainly the classical music field and music education field can be so difficult. But the thing about musicians, whether you are a performer, whether you're an educator, is that you have a passion. You've dedicated your life to this. And even if it gets tough, keep going because music education is one of the most important things that we have as a society and so many kids benefit so greatly from just any sort of music education and the more that we as performers can become educators to give back to the community and educate kids it's it's going to change our society i believe if listeners wanted to reach out to you in regards to your studio instruction or you even come virtually to their classes where might they be able to find that information absolutely you can visit my website at www.diazflute.com so that's d-i-a-z-f-l-u-t-e.com you can fill out my contact form um and yeah thank you so much for joining us today Thank you for having me. Music, Music. 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 Music.